Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. I'm just going to roll straight into today. I usually do a big intro, but I, I will just say for everyone that is new here, uh, please give us a like and subscribe. It's how we grow. I do appreciate you coming along to the show. And if you've come back again, as I always say, I love you. We're back, the Unlaced Podcast, for another episode. And been laughing already before this one started because this is with uh, one of my, uh, I'd say, say good friends from back back when I was younger playing in the in the youth ranks of the, the soccer world anyway in Australia. But more now now known for playing for the Socceroos in his career in Europe and Asia and now back in the A-League is prolific goal scorer, <laughs> Adam Taggart. I got him there with the prolific. There we go. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. How are you, bro? Yeah, I'm good. good. Very good. Very happy to be back and get some normality in. So, yeah, buzzing. Was it, uh, when you say normality, was it starting to get like weird or boring in, in Asia or particularly oh, where you're starting at all. It's, I mean, the way it starts is a bit like that. Yeah. Um, obviously very, very different culture. <laughs> um, and you're sort of trying to go with the things that you know, but yeah. you know, you're, you're obviously dealing with people that have been brought up and think a very different way. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges and at the start it's all new and it's funny and whatever. And after a while <laughs> it can get a little bit more frustrating. <laughs> really? You know, the, the normal side of you just wants to really enjoy life enjoy. the way that, you know, you've been used to. So yeah, a lot of challenges, but, um, you know, it was, it was a interesting four years, yeah. um, good graft and yeah, a lot of, a lot of good, good, funny stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's something you're going to release today or they yeah. vaulted, are they? Yeah. <laughs> well, lot, lots vaulted, but yeah, I'll release some. <laughs> well, before we go into some of those, like talking about the now, um, why did it feel right to come back to the A-League one and then obviously Perth because my assumption is you would have had other offers. So um, why why here? Yeah, I mean, look, Perth's obviously my home. Um, you know, it goes back onto a little bit, you know, what I was touching on before and talking in terms of like a bit of normality and um, I guess when, you, when you're in those places and going through those things that you go through while you're over there, you sort of really crave that um, feeling of home and feeling of belonging <laughs> and – um, you know, yeah. Perth's a place for me. I grew up here. I've got all my my family and friends here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm someone who has like a good um, social circle, and you know that's important to me as well. Um, you know, obviously outside of all the football stuff, so mm. um, just felt right to come back and um, you know, especially after grafting away for four years and in, in countries where they don't speak the same language and and obviously um, live the same way as us. Um, you know, it just it was yeah, a big craving for me to come back and come back home and, and, you know, enjoy my, my time on, on earth. Yeah. As, you know what, is this, cause you've been, you played in Perth, you played for Perth like a couple of times before you've been at Brisbane. Like you've played obviously here um, for a while throughout your career, but now are you like fucking buzzing because you value everything more because of your experience in Asia? Like yeah, just like, <laughs> like walking around town, like speaking, like going to Cottesloe, all that shit. Like, yeah, it's, it's so does it hit like, different? It's, it's very different. <laughs> really? That's the, fucked. The gratitude I feel every day is, 
grateful. Every time I, I come back to Australia, the first time I work, walk into Woolworths, I almost start crying. She's <laughs> about to tear up as you say this. I've been with mates before walking through Woolworths and they're, they're pissing themselves. <laughs> I'm this emotional wreck to walk through just saying, fucking hell, look at look at the state of that stuff. You know? Like you can actually read what it is. Like you know what you're getting. It's a fucking you feel like you're in heaven walking. Do you know what? Earth, you know? People like people this is why like people that play national sport, domestic sports in Australia at the highest level, they don't understand that. Like little things like that, just reading fucking food at the markets and not not knowing what the fuck it is is so infuriating. <laughs> it's you, you honestly can't believe it. Like Yeah. You know, going through those times in, you know, obviously in Asia, walking through gro- uh, grocery stores or walking into a cafe, like the difficulties you run into, <laughs> and like the frustration that you you sort of have walking through there, and you you're walking around with your Google Translate, thinking, "What the fuck's this?" You know, like, "Jeez, man, I just want a fucking chicken breast." Yeah, know? yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. I don't want anything else. Like, and I want to know what I'm getting. The amount of times you come back home and you're cooking it, and you're thinking. Nah, that's not steak. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck have I got? So, and got? It's all the small things that, that you appreciate and even walking into training, like you sort of, you have to get used to like actually speaking to people again, you know, oh, you, yeah. you become like a bit of a mute, like you're living in your own world and you, you're walking about the training ground, just not even looking up. You just sort of do anything and getting on with it now. Like I'm actually connecting with humans. And Cause that, you're you know? a jo- you're like a joker too. Like you love the bands, like, <laughs> I like do love around the training though, ground. So that would have been hard for you in Asia. Yeah. Like, I mean, Growing up, you sort of that, that's just normal. You yeah. Know, you, obviously, for us, like we started at a young age, you know, AIS and all the youth teams and stuff like that. It's it's so normal to have that banter and like um, that that boisterous sort of um, fun. Yeah. You know, all the time. It's twenty four seven, isn't it? Man, literally. Um, and you, you sort of once once you get that taken away from you, you sort of like you realize how important that is. And like, it's yeah. probably one of the most important things in sport. Absolutely. You know, the everyday banter. It's walking to the dressing room and people are absolutely shredding each other. Absolutely. You know? Now they're all laughing in, in Japan and Korea. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck they're talking about. Probably talking about me. Bro, speaking <laughs> of laughing, man, you and Mustafa Amini, shout out Musti as well, Captain of the Glory. I don't know where he is. He's probably yeah, supposed to be here. But anyway, um, you you guys in hotels, you could always hear where you guys were from your laughs. Musti in particular, but you, you would always like take the piss out of like, you'd always have a target or two on tour. <laughs> and they were like your close friends too, like the guy you were rooming with. And you would just like, you could hear that laugh. You would just find the smallest shit funny with them and it would set you off. I try to think of examples. I can't think of people, but like just that that's the kind of person you were. So that's why- say yeah. that about you in Asia must have been weird it was very weird you know yeah. you're obviously in your room you can't talk to no one you're on your phone and in Australia yeah you know like you said you <laughs> you gotta have a couple of targets yeah. <laughs> you, you're good at that too I don't even know if you do it consciously I think you just come out of the tour yeah. and you're like like that's practically bullying there like <laughs> he's picked a couple of lads and he's really rode them for three weeks but then yeah. like after they're like your mates you love them yeah I mean you gotta you gotta test them out at the start you know and you fucking baptism you sort of fire. <laughs> you get that feel of someone like who's who's feeling a bit uncomfortable here, yeah. you know? and you sort of go for him a little bit, you know. In a nice, obviously, in my head, it's nice. And yeah. it's, you know, some of the other boys, it's probably you know just harmless yeah. banter, but to them, obviously, they they might take it to heart for a little bit. But oh. then, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, they probably come out of their shell a bit. You know, it's a bit like singing your song when you first it's go to true, a team. Man, you know? it's You're true. meant to be embarrassed before you feel com- and, uh, 
before you feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's Cause yeah, you would always be like, so you would always be one of the main plays or, you know, whatever at, at the time. So, and sometimes those people were like, like Corey Brown was a good one. Like, he, <laughs> like just young, like young pups. Do you know what I mean? Like young guys that were coming through that weren't there. And you'd be like, no, I'll grab them. I'll grab them. <laughs> and wash them down. Well, when you've got a ginger in the team, you know, you need to <laughs> emphasize that he's a ginger. <laughs> his laugh too. But he uh, could take it well. He Brown, could, yeah, know? he, he could, Corey Brown. Do you remember, like, even with everything you've achieved, which we'll go through, like, do you still vividly remember the AIS and the Young Socceroo days? Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially the AIS and, and the Young Socceroos. <laughs> Amazing memories. <laughs> Probably lots that you can't talk about. Yeah, on here, I, I've know? forgotten like some of the ones that I, like, I can't talk you about, know? you know? But there was a lot of sneaking out and, you know, <laughs> you know, climbing down balconies. Climbing down balconies, <laughs> yeah. I think we had a rope ladder at one yeah. stage. We had climbing people climbing, in the, climbing over the balconies too. Like there was like a foolproof system. It was, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good system that we had because obviously you have your curfews and, you know, yeah. the, depending what age you were, it's 10, 10 p.m. And then a year later, it's 12 p.m., you know, yeah. so there's like a bit of a crossover there with who can, yeah, you, you know, can. be out a, a couple of hours later and stuff like that. And you had to find, you had to find your way to escape. You yeah, know? yeah, you did. Yeah. I remember, I remember when um, you came to the AOS because we'd already been there for like a few months, some of us. And our age group, we'd never had a striker. We were like, yeah. no one could score. And it was like, we're supposed to be the, the top ages. And it was like, wasn't good. Like, fuck. And then I remember they brought you over from WA. And we like a couple of the boys there knew who you were. And I remember your first session, you just started like, it's like what, man, you play, players talk about when Van Nistroy comes. Like every chance you had, you just banged it in. Right. And I remember looking at Gary Van Egmont like, yeah, okay, good. Like, thank fuck. Because <laughs> I was saying like, bro, we've got no one who can score here. Like we're the fucking AIS. And like no one can bang him in. And then they brought you and I was like, that you've always like, even from a young age, the way you are now, you're very similar to McLaren, Jamie McLaren. You're just always banging goals. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think most strikers, that's all you care about. That's all you think about. You just, from a young age, like you just want to bang in goals. You don't give a shit about fucking touching the ball. You don't even want to touch yeah. the ball. You know, you want to, you want to be that guy who doesn't touch the ball all game and everyone's saying he's having a beast and then you fucking put one away. And mm -hmm. I think you get that when you're, well, that starts from when you're younger, you know, it's like this love yeah. for scoring goals. And obviously all our strikers on the field anyway, we're all selfish cunts. You yeah. Know? We, yeah. We want to, we want to be the one who, who puts the ball in the back of the net. We want to, you know, score a tap in from <laughs> one yard and, <laughs> you know, run off celebrating like you've dribbled the whole team and bagged one in the top, in the top yeah. corner, you know, it's, it's that sort of love and enjoyment for, for just banging in goals. Was it, was that something like that for you was very natural? coming through or was that something because you I'm naturally finishing I assume you might have worked on but like the instinct of yeah. your movements and stuff I feel like you always had that yeah I think I think you know for me anyway I, you know everyone's probably a little bit different but that instinct comes from the love of scoring goals and so know, it was taking just that the hunger and I think when you're younger that, that's all you do you're in the backyard like pretending you're scoring in world cup finals and that so it's sort of like it's the repetition of just doing it over and over again and like you watch good players um, especially at a young age, you like study these players, like how do they do that or like mm. what do they look like when they do that? And um, you just do that all the time naturally and then it just becomes this instinct like, you know, now for example, when we, we you know, do video sessions and, you know, the, the coach is talking about, you know, the movement here and what, what I did there and I'm thinking like I didn't even fucking know I was doing it. You, just you know, it. it's just sort of like you might not have scored, you know, but it was the right movement to make to sort of like create that space and, be in the right position to score if the ball, you know, mm. is put in the right spot. Um, 
but that sort of stuff, like it's always looking back that I think like, I don't even think about that. And mm. I'm sure Mac is the same. Like I think sometimes it's, it's spoken about like, it's this equation, like you have to do this before you do that. But like a lot of it's just feel and, and instinct, I guess. And you watch all the strikers, I can guarantee you they don't think about it too much. Like you just sort of do what you do naturally. And you know, the more you do it, then you know, the more chances you get. Yeah. I think one of the things for you as well, why you get so many goals and even Jamie is because a lot of people know the right runs to make at times, but it comes back to that point about being like hungry. You'll make 25 and not get one ball. And then that 26, you might get on the back post the 89th minute and you were there because you kept going. Like, you know, some people switch that off. You guys, like you guys think differently with that. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's part of it. Like you got to be prepared to miss. You got to be prepared to not get the ball to score. You know, mm. that, that's almost like the first step. And a lot of it's like a mentality thing. And, you know, I see so many young boys now will get told you have to make this run when the ball's there. Where I think most strikers will almost fuck that off a little bit. And yeah. Think, well, like it's not really on in that, in that moment. Like I'm not feeling like that run is going to get me a goal or that run is actually going to create a goal. So you sort of like stick to your own beliefs and like what you do best. And I think most of the best coaches normally say that, you know, like mm-hmm. they don't want to make it too rigid and, and whatever, like you make your run based on your feeling of where the ball is going to go and, and what you need to do to, be, to beat your defender. Um, and you just keep doing it all game, all game. And of course there's going to be sometimes you go through 90 minutes and you're, you're not going to have one sniff of a, yeah. of a chance, you know, but if you keep doing it like over the course of a season, you, you'll keep banging in goals. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I reckon personally, and a lot of A-League fans that are tuning in will obviously know your your pedigree and your record and stuff, but I think you're like a hugely underrated signing in this season. Like, I don't think that's got, like on the East Coast, I don't think it's gotten enough plaudits for what you can potentially do to this uh, squad and particularly on the trajectory where Perth's kind of starting to move to now. But for you coming back to Perth Glory, what was your sort of first impressions of the squad and obviously um, – Zadkovic as well as a, as a coach, probably first experience with him, I assume. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd, I'd obviously played with Ruben at Newcastle and then um, when he was at Perth when I oh, came right. Back. So I know him quite well as a person and as a player. Um, and I guess first impressions, like walking into the training ground, I already knew everyone. It was well, just, so it was it was just, just like coming home. Laugh. Yeah, like obviously you've got Ryan Williams, <laughs> Jack Clisby, Musty's there from from the AIS. Um, Lambo, the kit man, who's who's a great laugh. Like, <laughs> Shout legend. out Lambo. Yeah. You know, if you're ever bored or like you're not really getting much from anyone else, you just go and sit in the kit room and have a coffee in there and you'll, you know, you have some good chats in there. Um, so it was like, honestly, when I walked in, it was like I'd never left. And, you know, similar to what I'd said before the podcast started, it was, it was like I had these four, five, six years up, you know, where I'm sitting there thinking, fuck, you know, I can't wait to sort of get back doing this. And then like, all of a sudden it happens. And it was like yesterday I was 24, you know, yeah. now, now I'm nearly 30. Yeah. Because it was like this, it, it was the exact same feeling when I came in the last time. Um, and I think when you love the place and you enjoy the people and um, you feel comfortable in, in, in the city and stuff like that, it's, it's all just... It's yeah, it's like you never left. It's all normal, and you know you just start flowing straight away. Because you're well, you've that translates onto the field because you've already been like scoring goals. Yeah, and you do do credit that obviously fitness and stuff's one thing, but like that as well, feeling comfortable, feeling happy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's 
I mean, I think there's actually science behind it. Not that I'm a scientist. Give us the science uh, now. Of <laughs> the, you know, the feeling of familiarity. Oh, know? right. And I'm always similar. Like certain stadiums, I always score, you know, yeah. certain stadiums, I always struggle to score. You know, Does that bother like, you though? That bothers me because I hate being, I hate being that guy. I want to be able to like, I'll just bang yeah. one in everywhere. But I'm like, I'm a bit weird with all that sort of stuff, you know, yeah. like in terms of like which goal I feel more comfortable at. <laughs> And before games and stuff like that, sometimes I'll just go for a walk and just, you know, stand around the goal just to get that fam familiar feeling. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's sort of the whole, it's not just the stadium, it's like the surround, like the people around you, mm -hmm. like the, the city and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's a bit like Newcastle Stadium. Like I could have a beast there, but I know I'll score, mm. you know, and I think there was, there was some record there of, you know, I don't know if it's been beaten now, but like it was the, one played scored the most goals there, but it wasn't all planned for Newcastle. It was like half planned for Newcastle, half planned for. Oh, so is, that, is that, are you just, are you leading that or were, <coughs> we're leading that? I potential? was. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Well, fuck, man. Um, I don't think anyone's banging in goals every week. So. Yeah, but it, it's that feeling of familiarity, um, which probably translated to that first game. Yeah, you know, where I came off the bench, bang bang, and like it was just a, it was it's a sort of weird feeling, like you're in this, I don't know, feeling of, of flow and like this this state of normality, where I was just like. You know, you, I've found anyway when I've gone to other clubs, like the first game, you're like, fuck, get on the ball. Fuck, yes. make sure the first touch is quality. Get a goal, like, like shit on, like that when yeah, you're a striker. Exactly. And, you know, when I walked onto that pitch, I was like, I don't really give a fuck. Like, I already feel comfortable. I'm just going to go and stand in the positions. I think I only touched the ball like three times. Or That's <laughs> awesome, man. And a couple of goals and it's that feeling of, you know, comfortable normality, um, sticking to like what you know is going to work rather than like trying to do too much. and. Mm. Because as a striker, you can get frustrated and start coming in deep and then you're trying to create things and, and do other people's jobs and then when the ball comes in, you're not there. Mm. You know, because I've found myself doing that before when I've, you know, been frustrated or, you know, you have this feeling that you you want to do too much. So, you know, I think all of that feeling of familiarity. Fuck, you'll have man. to check the science. Yeah, I, I kind of, we're going to have to get to check the stats on yeah, this as well. But I have read about it. That's crazy. Well, speaking of um, familiarity, familiarity, familiar, familiarity. Yeah, that'll do. Leave, leave, that, leave that in. <laughs> leave that in. Um, like, obviously, Zadkovic. So, for, obviously, you played with him. But for me, what was interesting, I never really saw him, like, being a coach or anything like that. and But then the documentary, the A-League do the keep up stuff. Like it was real interesting to watch him speak and communicate with the boys. Like what sort of early impressions of him as a coach? Like how's he been in the, in the sort of early games training sessions that you've had? To be honest, he's actually really similar to what he was as a player. Oh, really? You know? I think as a player, he was that aggressive, like, I'm sure most other midfielders who have played against him knew they were going to get an absolute smashing. Well, that's not me. Know? Playing against him was fucking, was, wasn't fun. Yeah, yeah, it was. And he's a bit like that as a gaffer and he wants to sort of instill that on his team. Like he can be really intense at times, but then he, you know, put his arm around you when he needs to. And, um, you know, I think for me, like <clears throat> I can probably be a bit misunderstood sometimes, you know, like sometimes I could turn up a bit pissed off, get frustrated. Sometimes I'm buzzing and happy. Like, you know, you bit by a bit like that. Yeah. Actually your red mist is some of the greatest stuff. I used to, when I played, I used to love it. Cause I was like, I used to get a bit like that too. Yeah. It was kind of like lifts everyone up, but you fucking like, you would let like, you, you call out, you're like, right. We go like fucking cross that fucking ball in. <laughs> no, look, I'm still, I'm still a bit like, yeah, you won't down, lose that. You know? I don't think, but I think people like him understand that and they sort of, Respect. They, they they want to push that a little bit more because I think they came from an era where that was a lot more normal. I guess mm. you see now it's probably not as normal and 
when I went to Korea and Japan, I definitely had to stop doing that because <laughs> I'll get in big trouble if I do, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I used to tell people, oh, look, I've definitely calmed down over the last few years. And then I, re- <laughs> as soon as I came back here and I knew I was allowed to do it, <laughs> first week I was already getting straight back into that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, mate, that's golden. That's gold. I want to well, talk about Musti because we'd known him since we were 15 and he's always been like, class clown kind of joker, like always been a top footballer, but could never take him serious. Like off the field, he's always fucking around and stuff. Now as a captain, like as must be. He's still fucking around. You yeah, but like <laughs> what is he like as a captain? Because like he, I just, sometimes I can see him being serious and leading by example on the field, but I could never take him seriously because he was so funny. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously a bit like that. I don't <laughs> think he's ever going to change, you know, Musti's Musti and, and he likes, he's got that big laugh running about the changing rooms and, Always playing cards with the young boys, taking all their money. Yeah, he, loves, a, he loves that stuff. I he's a ga- he's a gambler and a half, man. But you watch him on the field, and he's sort of like loud and, and <clears throat> um, you know, wants to dominate that sort of like his presence and wants to like, you know, especially at home, like when you're at Macedonia Park, you can really hear him shouting and just like screaming random stuff to sort of like bossing it. Maybe you know, try and get on the other teams like you know, mental side a little bit, mm. um, you know, but he's got, he's got both sides to him, which is good, but, you know, definitely away from actual physically on the field or physically, you know, in the game, still that same, like Joker, um, you know, I can't see him bollocking anyone. <laughs> yeah, he's not, not his style, is <laughs> I it? I don't think he's got that in his locker, you know. But <clears throat> Maybe silent treatment or something yeah, like that. That's what he do, yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that's, that's what I'd expect from him, but yeah, yeah he's, he's definitely got both sides just in a different, Different sort of way. Oh, well, shout out Musti. He's, he's he's having a good season. I, lo- I love yeah. I love seeing him do well because he he obviously had a few years with injury and so forth. But uh, when we when you look back on your career, was Newcastle or the start of your career? I should say was Newcastle was for you? Was that where you felt like you broke out? Like you felt like a professional footballer, even though you scored a few goals for Glory and you came you came back home. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was obviously like my breakout year. I wouldn't even say year. It was sort of my breakup well, period. You were you know? freaking, but you were in like the lead. You were leading the line up there. Like not, because I remember I was coming off the bench playing for Adelaide and I was like, to lead the line in the A-League back then was fucking hard, man. Yeah, I mean, it was. <clears throat> good teams, man, back then. Yeah, and I think that was one of the reasons I went to Newcastle. They wanted to promote these young players and like, you look at that team now of like all the boys that played. They it's had like crazy. Craig Goodwin, like yeah. Josh Pallante was there. And you had these um, older, more senior players like Emil Heskey was there, like Ruben Zadkovic was there. That's right. Joe Wilhouse. Birigidi was uh, keeper. Birigidi was there. You was know, Ga- he was, was Dutchy coach? Gary Dutchy Van. was coach, yeah. yeah. And I loved Gary. You know, he's yeah. one of those people where like you'd fucking, you'd hate him yeah. a lot of the time, but like you respected what he was doing. And I liked that sort of old school mentality where like he was fucking on people. But you I know? just could you couldn't keep, I, he was a bit like what you were talking about. Like you didn't know what, Side of the Benny World Cup on. Yeah, I mean, we definitely had some fucking crazy things go on there. Yeah. We, we Obviously, we did the boot camps at AIS. Bro, carrying <laughs> ropes in the ocean at like 16. <laughs> Pillowcases over the head. And <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We were running out at night getting, yeah, that was nuts, man. I remember once, like, I got on really well with Gary, like played some some of my best football under him. And then I came back from injury, injury once and like, thinking like he's, he's supporting me coming back and I'm running laps. He's like, he like called me, he's like, hurry up, you fat Indian. 
<laughs> and I don't know if you remember, it just stuck. And I was like, where did that come from? I think he was just started. He was just on me then after that. And I'm like, I've fucking been injured for like four weeks. Like he was, he was unpredictable, man. He was very unpredictable. Yeah. Unpredictable, very much on people. And like, if you saw a weakness in someone, you know, oh, a bit, a bit like what we were talking before, he was on you and he wasn't going to let you go. And I think that, you know, for me anyway, it sort of brought out that, um, that man mentality out of people. Like you had to sort of get over those, you know, small things or you learned how to like take ridiculous criticism and all that. Yeah, sort of we stuff, did right? early. Yeah. But he was, he was good, especially like if he was on your side, which, you know, for me, most of the time he was, mm. um, he fuck it. Like he knew how to bring the best out in people. And, yeah. you know, for me anyway, he was someone I always wanted to play for. Like yeah, me too. That field and I'd be like, fuck yeah. You know, like, got big Gaz fucking supporting us here. Yeah. And I believed in what he did and I liked that that old school mentality where I think some people didn't like it, you know, and the way the game's going and stuff like that, it's obviously, I think, especially the young players, they find that difficult to deal with, mm. you know, but when we were sort of coming through, we were sort of on the fringe of like, when we still had that um, old school mentality yeah. just ripping into people. Cosy man, John Cosmina. Like, uh, yeah. Youngies v oldies. Like, can just fucking obliterate exactly, the youngies and run exactly. them. <laughs> you, know, you, you had to do your apprenticeship. Yeah. You know, and that's what he, you know, they actually had the boys doing the washing. Do you know my first game, my, one of my first games in the A League after we won, it was like round one or two, we had beers in the change room after the game. <laughs> this is like 2012. We were still doing that then. Like my first thing with John Cosmina, like that is frowned upon now. It's frowned but upon. But like 10 but years ago, we were still like, yeah, cracking a can, like, yeah, what well on boys. It's it's frowned upon, but like if you speak to anyone <laughs> who got to experience that, it's the best thing ever. Fuck you, mate. That's why you, you know, play. After a win. That's you why know, you play. beer in the change room and it's, you know, what we were talking about before, it's that like banter in the change room. It's that like camaraderie. It's all the boys getting a bit boisterous and stuff like that. Like when you, it's important you, for like when culture. You, when you're bringing in a carton of Heineken after a <laughs> game, <laughs> when you're on that field, you know, if we yeah. fucking win this game, yeah, you, that's what you get. Beers in the change room. It's going to be a good feel. And then it creates this like vibe, this winning vibe of like, it's like a reward for winning. It's you know? so true. That's, it sounds like we're taking the piss, but we're being genuinely serious there. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. Yeah, like because you run a bit harder, you're like, I want that beer after the game, or you don't want to leave because like the culture's so good here. So it's like keeps the continuity. It's a vibe, isn't shit. It? Yeah, it's, it's a mad. vibe. It's a winning vibe. Like, I mean, and even now, like you, a lot of especially in the A League, like the ones that we know, like all the winning teams, like they're always celebrating together. Yeah, the best you know, team, it's, best it's teams a, on and off the culture. field. Exactly. Yeah. When you've got the teams that, you know, they hate each other and, you know, as soon as the game's done, they're all gone their separate <laughs> ways. Like it's, it's, it's not the same feeling. Yeah. It's like, you got to build this sort of like winning Absolutely. culture and vibe where like a couple of beers after the game is, you know, physically, as long as you're all right, like yeah. it's, Hey guys, just a quick break in this episode to share that I have partnered with Dabble, the gambling agency. Dabble is an incredible platform. It's similar to Instagram where you can copy uh, bets off some of the absolute superstars of various games. It's absolutely awesome. Please make sure you do gamble responsibly, only bet what you can. And also, big, big news, for the next 12 months, I'm going to be doing a Tuesday stream between 7 and 8 p.m. where I'm going to be talking all sports, putting on bets with you guys and having absolute fun. You can find that within the Double app. And it's there, as I said, every Tuesday night, 7 to 8 p.m., the Jake Barkadash live show. Make sure we see you there and we'll get back into the episode. But anyway, back to my point, because why... Why Newcastle was such a big um, few seasons for you? Not only were you leading the line at a young age when I personally think 
the A-League was at one of its best or most competitive because every team was stacked. Visa players were good. Aussie players were middle-aged, still playing here and sort of stuff like that. Um, but then you got a massive move overseas, which was like, I still to this day don't know how that happened or w- like was that they were always on to you or what, what sort of that move was. But going to Fulham, I just remember everyone was like, holy fuck, like that's a huge move. Because were they in the championship? Yeah, they'd just been relegated. Um, yeah, from the Prem to the championship. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when I went there, they still had a lot of the Premier League players, a lot, a lot of left as well, which always happens when you drop down. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a massive move. It sort of came out of the blue a little bit. It was whilst I was at the World Cup um, and I was sort of, I was about to go to Holland. Like I had a club in, in Holland that I was pretty keen to go to and then um, Fulham came in sort of, you know, very close to when I was about to sign with this other club. Um, and I guess at that age, you're sort of thinking, like, I can't turn down. You can't Fulham, though, can you? you know, like, did you feel though, like being objective now at 29, even though I 100% agree with what you said, do you think it was the right move? Like, you Probably st- not, you know, obviously in hot, like hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you know, but you kind of know, maybe it, you kind of, part of you might even know at the time, but you can't not take it. Cause you can't like, not take it. It's exactly what I thought at the time. Yeah. You know, you could go to Holland, um, you know, it was a smaller club in Holland or, you know, you go to Fulham who in the championship is going to be one of the biggest clubs and, you know, a club who's expected to go back up. You're sort of thinking like, fuck, I'm at the World Cup. If I go to Fulham and I'm playing there, like that's, that's takeoff, you know. Mm. It didn't work out that way. Um, you know, I didn't play football for like 12, 12 months or something like that my first year. And I think in those sorts of places, like was that, in, start was that just coaching decisions or was that no, injuries? Like I had and, surgery, um, right. probably needed surgery. Like as soon as I'd got there, um, that got put off for a few months, finally had surgery like six months later. Um, and then, you know, rehab went well, first session back slipped and like tore where, where the surgery was and then was pretty much out for the rest of the season with that. And then I think what I'd learned as well, like, you know, starts are so important, like how you started a new club, um, is massive because when you turn up there, no one knows what you can do. No one knows, um, if you're good enough to do it. Um, so to get the chance is like one of the hardest things. Mm. But when you first go to a club, they're obviously more likely they're not going to give you that chance because they've signed you, you know, so they sort of, they have to see what you can do. But then, you know, for me in that situation, once the sort of, you know, 12 months had passed and hadn't played football, you're just like, you're trying to play catch ups. It's like, Mm. it's so hard to do. You want to go there in form, fit and ready to fire straight away. Um, And usually when you can do that, it will sort of, it will give you a little bit more longevity. Um, If if it's not at that club, but clubs around you or in that league who have seen what you can do um, and know that obviously if they get the best out of you, then you can perform at this level. Yeah. You know what? I think also when, because now we're a bit older and like obviously you've had more experience in the game, when you're like going to Fulham, you're like your only option is like I need to score 10, 15 goals first season. Anything else is like a failure and you feel like shit if it doesn't work out or whatever. But now you look back, you're like probably that was like a character defining part of your career that dictated the rest to be so good. Like, because every other overseas move you've had since, particularly in Asia, you're banging goals everywhere. So probably that you you kind of relate that experience to helping you with that sort of stuff. Yeah, massively. Um, and to be honest, that that period of going to Fulham sort of haunts me a little bit. You know? <laughs> really? And it sort of, it was one of the biggest um, motivating factors behind like going to Korea and then to Japan. Yeah. You know, because after I came back to the A-League, as much as I was enjoying myself and like I loved playing football for Perth Glory and, um, you know, you're playing every week, you're scoring goals, um, you know, 
you know, especially in that period, there was good players at the club. Playing at home was great, but I always had this thing hanging over my head where I was like, I went to Europe, but I didn't feel like I did it, you mm -hmm. know? Like I went there and obviously had the 12 months without playing and then six months later, you know, after going on loan to Dundee, you know, I came back to the A-League and I always, I just didn't like that feeling in my, I didn't like that taste in my mouth where I was like, I didn't, I didn't, I don't feel like I did something enough to be proud of that, to come you know, home. period. Mm. And so I always had this, had this thing where I was like, I need to go back overseas and do something, you know, wherever that is. And obviously that ended up career in Japan. And I, and I, when I went there, I was giving myself no other option. but to Mate, do well there. Suwon, and like we're going, because I want to I wanted to talk about still around the period of Fulham, but the Suwon Blue Wings record, goal record, is like goal every two two games. And yeah. you played like 60 games or 60 odd games, which is yeah. I mean, and that was, a tough league, man. It's not easy career. It was funny because, you know, before I'd went there, I was, you know, speaking to, you know, people who are respected in, um, you know, medical departments, mates who had been there and stuff like that. And everyone was telling me, don't go. It's yeah. so hard on your body. And, you know, like if you break down there, you're fucked. And I just thought, fuck it, I'm doing it. And I'm going to, I'll make it, I'll make it work. And then like I said, I ended up playing like 60 games or something like that in the one season. Um, and for me, that was actually the biggest um, success was just staying fit for 60 games. Because I always knew like if I, if I stayed fit wherever I went, I'd feel confident that I can score goals, mm. you know. And then obviously when I went to Korea, that was just my main focus. I'm like, I'm just going to fucking stay fit. And the rest will take care of itself. Um, and I was doing all sorts to stay fit. Well, yeah, um, just like had a reformer in my house. I bought a reformer. <laughs> had a reformer in my <laughs> I've got a video of it. Funny enough, it actually well, So now you don't have one. You just no, had a well, I, I go to a Pilates studio. <laughs> yeah, right. now, you know? you had a reformer. I had a reformer in my house. I actually ended up, you know, me and doing my Pilates and my reform in my house on the Korean news. <laughs> <laughs> we need to find that clip, right I've phone. got it. I've got it on my oh, phone. You have to send it to us. What is it? You know, I think I was doing a media bruv. They were asking me, you know, how, how are you staying fit and able to play all these games? And I said, well, bros, I've got a fucking reformer in my yeah, house. Come over here, come have a look. And then it got around and then they all, you know, they, this big news crew came over. Yeah, half the team just start putting reformers in their fucking house, did they? Oh. I, I was, you know, like I was like staying at the training ground all day pretty much, just like getting massages, right. gym, like eating there. I was going to like a different recovery centre like in Suwon, the stuff like I was just that was just my main focus and obviously it worked. So fuck like, yeah, what you put in was kind of what you got out in a sense. Yeah. Like it was it was draining. You know, yeah. by the end of like the last month of the season, I was like, wow, like I'm just so fucking drained. You know, like I had practically no life outside of football. Yeah. You know, I just pretty much dedicated everything to that, especially that first year. Um, you know, but it's definitely my proudest year, like looking back, just more so knowing like how hard it is, you know, you speak to the boys that have gone there, like it's a, it's a hard place to play. You know, there's a lot of games. They're all so fit and strong. They you know, train the like twice a day sometimes, they, a lot, don't Training's they? hard and long. Rashid told me that's what Mahazi, one of my best mates when he was at Incheon, he's like, they do double sessions, but like usually in Australia, if you do double session, one might be a little bit harder, one's a bit more. He goes, but they're both fucking ridiculously hard. Crazy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the funny thing, like the Korean boys are feeling it as well, but they've like, they've done it their whole life. You know, so they're mm. like their body's adapted to it. But for us, like when you first go over, when you first get there, you're like, wow, this is fucking <laughs> insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, mate. So, one of the famous photos and experiences around you, and it's definitely one of my proudest things watching you do, and I'm no doubt yours, but the 2014 World Cup, because 
you were you were kind of like a little bit of a bolter to get into that squad, and then it's all of a sudden like it's a it's probably for me. I thought this is going to be one of the biggest World Cups ever because it's like in Brazil, yeah. And it's like we, we've just come off a couple of World Cups. The Socceroos are doing well, and just now the coach. All this it was so much stuff around it, and we had so many players. And then like you see Taggart gets in the squad, you're like fuck, and then it's like game one. Like I think were we playing Spain. No, no, Spain was the last one. Oh, yeah. so, sorry, the Spain game you started. Which yeah. other game did you come on? Came on against Holland. Holland, which yeah. was game two. Game two, yeah. yeah. First game was Chile, yeah. First game was Chile, that's right. Yeah, so when you when you started against Spain, I was like, holy fuck. There's a PK, there was PK and Ramos. There's a photo of you like in between them. Uh, yeah. And they were just like, like two <laughs> fucking towers over you. Did you, just to speak about that World Cup experience, like – did you know you were going to get in that squad? Like what was your mentality and the feedback you were getting before that was picked? I think like obviously a lot of people know about Ange now. Like you don't have too much communication, you know, <laughs> with him. And I actually think that's kind of good. Like I like, I really respect the way that he does it. So I guess, you know, going through those camps, like I didn't really know like if I'd be selected in that in that final squad because obviously they take a few more boys for that mm. sort of extended training period. Um, but I guess when you so – when you're so young like that, you're just almost like oblivious to everything. You don't realize like the magnitude of a world cup. You don't realize like the magnitude of the players around you either. You know, it's always looking back that I'm like, fucking oh wow. But do you I reckon mean, that being a bit naive helped you? Because like you didn't. Yeah. Bring- like, yeah, no, like I look back and I'm like, fuck, I wish I, I wish I really took it in a little bit more. You know, it was obviously amazing, amazing at the time. But like I said, I think it's just that magnitude was just on another level to like yeah. what I realized was going on at the time. Um, but yeah, getting selected, it was like I knew it was the the night that the boys were getting told. Um, so I was sitting in my room just like waiting to get the the knock on my door to say, you know, you need to go speak to Ange and and um obviously, you know, pack up pack up your stuff and that. Mm. And my birthday was was the next morning. Fuck so off. it was yeah, it was like I think it was June first. How old were you then? Because this I, I was remember, twenty. I remember thinking, because I was still playing pro football, I remember thinking like tags just made it. Like yeah. out of out of all the boys in the AS, I was like, fuck. You've actually made it. Like we we all still can, but I'm like you're at the World Cup. Yeah. Like do you know what I mean? That's fucked. Yeah. And I was just I was waiting for this knock on the door or a phone call to say go speak to him. We got to like midnight, and I was messaging my mum and I was thinking, fucking hell, they're leaving a bit late. Like fucking mm. it's midnight. You know what I mean? So I thought, fuck it, I'll just go to set. I woke up the next morning, and then like we're going to breakfast, and obviously some of the boys were, were walking in with their suitcases. And I was thinking, fucking hell, have I, have I got in the squad? <laughs> And that was that was pretty much how I found so out. So like a silent treatment. Is it was that like you if you didn't get told you weren't going, then you're in the squad. And then obviously that morning at breakfast, they obviously had a chat to all the boys and said, you know, such and such is, you know, going home. And obviously, you know, the rest of you guys are staying here, obviously to, to, to play in the World Cup. And I was sitting there <laughs> thinking on my birthday, I was like, fuck, man. <laughs> oh my God, bro. So that, that was it. That is crazy. What can you just... um. Give us some insight. Like we've spoken a lot on the World Cup of late, so we won't delve into it. But just that moment, like you're 20 years old, you're playing against Spain, you're coming on against Holland, that game, like Tim Cahill's, these are fucking the pinnacle of football type moments. Like, Yeah, I, th- I think with all that stuff, like that's, that's where I truly realised like what football was. Really? Know? I think growing up and stuff like that, you see football, you, you're playing obviously, blah, blah, blah. I think like being in those moments, like when, when I saw Timmy – score that goal and we were all warming up on the side you're just like like wow this is this is literally what football is yeah you know? and it was like 
those sort of moments have always been like such a big motivating factor because you're just like that level or that those that that like that whole thing you know being a world cup is fucking crazy you know and it's like you just can't put it into words of like being involved in it and like seeing those things live knowing that like you you could play a part in this you know is is just it's on it's there's nothing to yeah dude that's crazy so like when you say the purpose of like football or what football meant is it because of like how big those moments were and how much it affects people that are attached to it like back home or in the stadium exactly you yeah. see how big it the game is, is like, that what you mean the, the way that it affects people like the the atmosphere like you know we, you always talk about Timmy scoring that goal you're just like you've just done that at a world cup what the fuck like, was you, that? It's, that, that you know when you're playing a big game and you're just like it, it's so hard to, to have those big moments because of like there's so much on the line so they're like the intensity of everything is just on another level yeah. that it's like, it's almost in like, it's not human. One to know? think to volley that on your and opposite to, foot and to then two that, to execute it in that game is what you're trying to say. Right. Yeah. And you're playing against these top nations and like, you know, obviously we, we didn't go through um, past the group stages, but like the way that sort of the boys are playing, you're just like, this is proper football. Like this mm. is, this isn't, this is nothing I've ever like experienced or been a part of before to like see like what it's all about. You know? Yeah. Does it, because you've had that experience so young and you've actually been in some fucking really good form over the last few years and whatnot, is that something that like is still burning or a chip on your shoulder to be back in that squad? Because yeah. I don't see why you wouldn't be in and around the squad or in contention. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, being in, involved in that World Cup, like it, it always, you know, gave me that motivation to be in another one. Mm. Um but more so in general to be back in the national team, you know, because obviously the, like, you know, the importance of it, you know, the buzz around it, like, you know, that sort of level that you could be playing at, you know, mm. to experience those moments again. So that was always a big um, motivating factor and going to Suwon was, you know, one of the reasons I thought, well, people have done it before. They've gone to Korea, done well, and they'll get the national team. Um, you know, maybe that's my way in, you know, so that's why I did it. And then I obviously was involved in that four-year cycle, you know, and then obviously missed out at the, at the last hurdle. Um, but I guess it was definitely scratched a bit of that itch to be back involved for that period of time, you know? Bro, that's, this is fucking crazy, right? If you break it down this way, like this is just for people back home to understand exactly what being a professional footballer is. So you've decided to go play in Korea where like no one speaks English. You've spoken before about what you gave to the game, like to get the best out of yourself. You banged in freaking 30, 30 goals in like 60 games almost. Then you've gone to Japan. You've actually had like a probably a, not as good record, but you still banged in a lot of goals, like one in three type stuff there. And you were there for four years and you just missed out. Do you know what I mean? Like you've yeah. given all that to just miss out, but that's what it takes. Like, yeah. cause sometimes you get the other, you get, you get the other way, like in 2014, where you're like, well, you're fucking going. Yeah, I mean, well, that that's what always that's what's always given me like a more positive outlook on this. Yeah, I'm missing out on the on the you know final squad for this one. Um, but I guess for me, like, if I didn't do if I didn't go through that graft of four years and then missed out, I'd always be kicking myself. But I think looking back, like, I've got absolutely no regrets because I'm like, I gave absolutely everything. I dedicated my life to you know, over these four years, especially to, to be part of the national team to try and go to a world cup that I was like, it didn't, I've got nothing on me to say that I didn't do, um, you know, everything that I could have, mm. you know, obviously if you don't get selected, you're not selected and, and that's that. But if I didn't do everything 
to try and get selected, I think that's what would have obviously gave me a lot more disappointment like within myself. Yeah. I feel like now probably as a mature player coming into the A-League, <clears throat> it's one of the first times in like the A-League history where if you're playing well, you can feel confident that Arne, the, the head coach of soccer is Arnie is going to pick you. Because like historically it was like, unless you're young, you got to go overseas and like, you got to be that like, but now I think you can come here if you're doing well, Arnie's Arnie picture, which yeah. is like, which is probably like for you, gives you confidence about yeah. being back here. I think that's good. Obviously, you, you know, you're promoting the A-League and those sort of selections, especially for the young boys playing in the A-League, probably puts them in a bigger transfer window to get to get a move to a, you know, a good overseas club or to, mm. you know, really, you know, k- kick their career forward a little bit. Um, you know, coming back, like, I've spoken about it with other people, like coming back had, it had nothing to do with the Socceroos. You know, it's nice to know that like, if you're doing well in this league, then, you know, you will get selected for the squads. It's obviously been proven now under Arnie and he's obviously got another four years, um, you know, but I guess my decision to go overseas was all about the Socceroos. So you were you just know? that done with the the lifestyle of what overseas was that regardless of Socceroos or anything, you're like, I just want to play here now. Yeah. I want, I want to, have to play that experience here and enjoy again. my football. And I think, you know, especially when you have, when you're, when you're that like hyper-focused on, playing well and improving and getting in a national team, you know, in, in, in those countries where they obviously don't speak the same language, it like takes its toll on you. Yeah. And as much as I actually love the football there, you know, especially in, in Japan in those last couple of years, like it's, that's proper football, that place. You love you know, that, Like yeah. just everything, like the professionalism, like the standard of players, the standing of training, the games. Stadiums, like, everything, equality, aren't Stadiums, they? especially in that first year was co- with COVID was a different story, but the second year when like, you can obviously pack out the stadiums. Like it's a, it's proper football there. That's and I, amazing. And I, and I did really enjoy it. That's crazy. Now, just before we, before we round this up, like you've always been a pretty cool dude and like social dude off the field in the sense. And like, you're one of the ones that I noticed early, like would always have the same friends as a kid or would do the same things. And like, probably in my eyes, what I see now is like, you always had good balance of like both. Like what, what's kind of stuff you're doing like back home to enjoy yourself? Like it'd just be catching up with people. You're going for like, you know, surfing a few beers. <laughs> 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 Try not to bait you too hard there. <laughs> no beers. No, no beers. Yeah. No, I think, yeah. Like, you know, you're right for me growing up, like always, you know, had a really close group of schoolmates. Mm. Um, and we're all still best mates now. Um, and that, that was something I found hard living overseas. I didn't have a balance. Like it was just pure football. Um, so, you know, and that was something I craved a lot. Like just having that, like you can go for a coffee, you can go out for dinner here. Like yeah, I was just nice. eating restaurants by myself most nights. Trying to read the menu. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So like that balance is important to me. Like, yeah. and I think it always reflects on my football as well. Like when I'm happy off the field, I'm, I'm always yeah. better on the field as well. One of the bit, one of the biggest compliments I could, I could give you is that I felt like you were born to score a bit like Jamie, but with that, I'm like, I always wonder what, like, what would you do outside of football? And because you're getting to like 30 and like, you probably want to play to your 30, like whatever. Do you, do you start thinking of that now? Like, have well, you, have you planted any seeds in, in what that m- might look like? I've got a seed planted. Yeah. I oh, actually, oh. I actually, uh, I go to uni. Oh, do you? Uh, yeah. I study part time at uni. I do one unit a semester. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute, bro. <laughs> Good it's idea. Cute. It's I've, better than nothing. Well, I've better dabbled than... and done two a couple of times, but that was too much. It's too me, much, yeah. You know? Especially when like during season when you're traveling and stuff like yeah. that, it's 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 definitely tough. Um, um, I study exercise science at really? university. More so because it's 
you know, I, you know, that question, like I've always asked myself, like, what would I do? Or like, you know, what's, like, what's important to me away from football? I thought, well, not much really, you know, but like, what's my passion or what do I care about? And I'm, and I always thought like, well, like if I had some of the people who I've had in my career, for example, like Andrew Clark at the Socceroos mm. who've had like, you know, such a positive impact on me, like physically and like how to stay injury free and, you know, have this sort of support to, to like do what you want to do on the field. Yeah. Like if I could do that for someone else, you know, haven't been involved in the game, then, um, you know, I think that would still give me a buzz when, you know, playing football's over. So ah, there you go. Slowly ticking away at that. Well, you got three and three and a half years, you signed for glory. Three and a half yeah. years. Yeah. So fuck you. Could be take could take you to the end, bruv. Yeah, I'll have to um pick up a few more units. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna put it this way, it's gonna be hard to get you out of the glory between now and the end, I reckon. Like, because you love yeah. it here. I think you also said like you want to give some of your best years to the club too. Yeah. Do you come in like for instance this season, like do you come in with like a goal or goals in mind? Or are you just like take it as it comes kind of guy? Like I mean, look, I normally do, but I'd never like to say it. You know, oh uh, yeah. Even, wouldn't even tell my mum. Oh, but, that's good. But you know, I think Similar to what I was saying before in terms of like if you're happy off the field, you normally translate on the field. Like yeah. I can definitely be someone who gets really hyper-focused about like succeeding and doing well and stuff like that. That a lot of my focus is to actually not think about it when I leave the training ground or, you know, after I leave, a you know, the the um, the stadium and stuff like that because mm -hmm. like it will just, it drives it's me drives into, you know, this crazy like obsessed with scoring and obsessed with winning. Um that I try and like do the opposite, like when I leave now. And so my focus is more like, yeah, just to enjoy myself and stay relaxed off the field. So you can do your stuff when you get on the field. Lovely. Paul said now final question is a bit of a tradition on this show. Um, we equate three traits to being successful in any, in any walk of life. And obviously all are important, but pick the one that resonates most to you in your career is out of resilience, driver, ambition, which one for you was critical to be leading the line. I think resilience. Resilience, number one. I think, you know, like you obviously got to have the others, you know, but I think the resilience, once you step into a world that's like a high-pressure environment where you're like, you have to succeed under pressure all the time, um, you need to be able to, yeah, you need to have that resilience because you're going to have so many failures and so many setbacks that if you don't have resilience, like the other two aren't going to matter. Yeah. Well, Thanks. You finally got you on the show, mate. You're finally in Australia. You've been living MIA, mate. I'm buzzing to see you back in the A-League doing well, kicking goals. I'm sure we'll have you on here again sometime, man, having a proper laugh, maybe a cheeky beer in the off-season or something. But <laughs> thank you uh, thank you for coming on the show, man. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. We'll see you next week. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details.